0: You're listening to The Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. On today's episode, the blinding power of the halo effect, nasty women and the outbreak of globalist contagion, the revenge of George Soros, and much, much more. Here's Monica.
1: This is episode 24 of the Propaganda Report. Episode 23, which it might not be up yet, will be the WSB show we did this past Saturday. So that's going to be episode 23, and this is episode 24 of the Propaganda Report. How are you doing, Brad?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm good. So what's what's up? President Trump.
0: Trump's been president. Yes, yes,
1: President Trump. It's I, I really, How do you feel? <laughs> uh, well, I think the most significant observation I have made so far, and this is coming from a person who really dug deep on his speech, but the most telling sign of this, these initial days is that his hair looks so much better than it has ever looked they're really it looks, quaffing yeah. it. I noticed that when Hillary was first lady, her hair looked better than it ever did at any other time. And when she was actually running, I mean, the day she stopped running, it fell apart. They, just they vibrant
0: really and full of life. And, and then it was gone for Hillary. But it's
1: Yes. But for Trump, to me, it's a signal that they are trying, they are going to, from this point forward, try to tighten up his image, clean up his image. They could have doubled down on him being uh loose cannon kind of guy i was wondering if they were just gonna like make him go nuts do a bunch of things and then kill him you know like, or if like he's gonna...
0: disheveled every day and his hair yeah. is out of control
1: yes because everybody a- anybody can be they could mold him any way they want like i was observing when he was there was like a passing of the torch or whatever between him and obama and i thought to myself before i actually saw it I thought, wow, if they ride over together in the limousine, like I wonder what they're gonna talk about. So I see them walk up and Trump shaking his hand and Melania's kissing Michelle and and I hear Obama talking to Trump and he's going, It's all about protocol. You gotta stand here, she's gotta stand there, she can't hold the present. Let me get rid of the present. You can't give it to the military guy. I was like, What? <laughs> like, I mean I'm exaggerating a little bit, but if Wait, you wh-
0: who was saying that?
1: I was watching whatever it was, CNN or something, like cutting to their different angles on the inauguration. And Michelle and Barack Obama were standing at the top of the stairs. I guess it was at the White House. Trump and Melania come up. Melania gives Michelle a Tiffany box. They
0: start kissing, you said. Melania and and Michelle are making out. They're
1: totally macking down on each other. So (laughs) (laughs) – so uh, but it was just so funny because you could tell that like obama is super super polished and protocol is really important and and then i just saw the whole thing in a different light from how i've ever seen it before and then i thought okay trump's an actor his wife's a model they're gonna do great <laughs> so how are they gonna play it is he a clown is he a you're fired? Is he uh, the weight of the office has sobered me? You know, how's it going to go? And what you know, what are you going to expect? And I and I think by judging entirely by his hair, I think the image they're going for is the weight of the office has sobered me.
0: Yeah, which I think they do that. They They have to have the hair look fantastic at the beginning. So that eight years Whoa, later, they absolutely. can have that drastic after picture.
1: Yeah, where they have white hair. You can already what? see, like, his hair is whitening up immediately.
0: Right. And if you've seen Obama's before oh, and after yeah. picture, they it's make it so extreme. I mean, it's and like those... his
1: skin was darker in the beginning. Like, they used to darken his skin. I remember seeing that, like, would see side-by-side pictures of like, okay, that's his normal picture, and then by the time it made it to the cover of Time magazine, it was darker. <laughs> I was like, okay, so they could have, you know, they Photoshop it or well, I don't know what they do, but it looked suspicious to me.
0: They just don't use the makeup and just they 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 make them look great, like they're on a movie set, and they color the hair and stuff for years, and then and like that last six months, it's just like, all right, we're gonna stop, and suddenly he's aged like two decades.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that gives the a sense of gravitas and uh, a respect. Like I even feel that way. Like I, I don't want to look that young, (laughs) you know, I don't want to look so young that people are disrespectful to me. I, I I mean, it really makes, I really think it makes a difference, but I don't want to get personal. Are you disrespectful to people who look young? No, I, I am not disrespectful to anyone. I don't think, but I've noticed over the years as uh, a gal the way I have been treated has changed, and it's I, – I think it's numerous things. One is I have a husband, which really changes the way other men, like if you're working and stuff, treat you. I noticed that. Uh, you know, being a mom, getting old, you know. Although I don't – I didn't look better when I was a harried investment banker, <laughs> but I was hit on more, <laughs> you know so i don't know what it's all about but i think that like if you really strive to look young maybe you're just maybe you're missing the boat maybe looking a little more uh i I didn't some radio guy told me basically i've distilled it down to this you don't want to you want to look young enough to have sex appeal but you want to look old enough to have wisdom and i think that might apply in life as well i can see that so I don't know if it applies to men. I think they have sex appeal goes with wisdom when it comes to men.
0: You think but Trump has sex appeal?
1: Not at <laughs> all. And, and I mean, I think a why I have a very broad spectrum when it comes to sex appeal. I mean, I, I think any kind of guy can have sex appeal. I love guys. But <laughs> he, I'm not kidding. I've always had this. It's I've always been this way. And uh with him, and when he was younger, he, he'd he never had sex appeal because he's just a little too soft, but he was not bad looking, but I just don't, I don't get it now. I don't dislike him. I mean, I think he's a puppet. I wonder what's really going on, but I don't have any like, God, oh, that guy makes my skin crawl. No, yeah. but I no sex appeal. I wonder with Melania, like, oh.
0: Oh yeah, she she does what from a guy's perspective. I would yes, say that she does.
1: She does, but what was she thinking? He actually, when they got married, he did seem fine. But like, I mean,
0: he's the he's a uh, he's an alpha male. He,
1: is he does. He, he, is, he has some
0: flamboyant type of colorful behavior, but he's uh, he's an alpha.
1: He's not. Yeah, but he was soft to start out with. So now that yeah. he's like aging and he looks even softer, and she poor thing looks harder. But if you look at their wedding pictures, so pretty that. I can see it then.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so my sister pointed out during the speech that Trump looks like he was conducting a symphony. Or or I or I thought he like like kind of like he was painting a painting with his hand movements. They were just so like this the way that he was moving his hands, it was like he was conducting the the New York Symphony.
1: I didn't notice that. As a New Yorker, I use my hands. I'm using my hands right now. <laughs> I always use my hands. But I felt like with that speech, he was so worried about making a mistake. It was such – because he's an improv actor. He's not a script actor, or I don't know what you call that. But he's, he's, he was trained, and I know it because, like, when WSB was teaching me how to do the radio, which is, like, a never-ending process – they they really tell me to be myself, to say what I want. You know, they just work on um not saying um <laughs> that kind of thing. So I can only imagine his training over the years has been how to be yourself and uh and communicate with people, get across to them what you want to get across to them, so and to do it in a way in your own words, which is why they like parsed out his twitter account and they could tell somebody did a study where they could tell which ones came from him and which ones probably came from somebody else yeah and and i i feel like the scripting and and that's to his benefit like i feel like when i started thinking about that it looks to me like he he is who he is you know even if he's working for somebody else i think he is who he is but the but the scripting stuff is a little trickier and and it definitely was loaded. You sent me a podcast of like what it was all about and I haven't gotten to that yet because I want to form my own opinions first and and what it's all about is most definitely not libertarian values.
0: Yeah, that podcast, I have listened to part of it. The thing that stuck out to you wanna me You want
1: to plug the guy what says, I mean give him credit for
0: Yeah, Clyde Lewis. Uh, Ground Zero is the, the podcast. It's a great podcast. I love his stuff. What was most interesting to me about that one was I'd never heard the term dog whistle before. Uh, but, but it makes perfect sense. I've, I've heard it, uh, you know, used in other I didn't ways, hear
1: but the podcast? You have to tell me. What is a it? It's
0: do- dog whistling is, it's a polit, it's like a, the political dog whistling. It's when you use uh, language yeah. that's specifically code. It's general enough for everybody to yeah. understand, but it, it has specific, like coded meaning for. Ah.
1: I wish I had known Tiny, that. Tiny
0: targeted people, yeah.
1: I I was uh, talking to some, like, high muck-de-muck at some radio station. I was trying to make a good impression because I was, like, uh, <laughs> you know, aspiring, which I um, I think I'm a little bit color too far outside the lines to really even want to do, like, syndicated stuff. And at the time, I thought it would be, like, a good way to... a uh, good career path. And so... I was trying to explain how when Marco Rubio said American exceptionalism and this was years ago he was still people still thought he was a tea party guy and then Obama said it Obama said it at the end of his we need to bomb serious speech a few years ago and I think Chris Christie's probably said it a thousand times as soon as they say American exceptionalism I know that they're talking about uh America being the exception to the rule that sovereign nations cannot interfere with each other's governments. That's what American exceptionalism really means. It means you may not invade our sovereignty, but we have carte blanche to disrespect the sovereignty of anybody in the world we want to. That is what they mean by that. And uh, and I, I wish I could exp- have explained it the way uh, that you're saying that's a real concept and not just me being like, hey.
0: Yeah. It, a, another example, a uh, recent example, depending on what you believe about the story, would be the Pizzagate story. You know, hot dogs and all that stuff has that general term usage, but it has that specific meaning for that, you know. It doesn't matter what you believe about it. Right.
1: It's not, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Like, the part of what's so important about it is this art of ambiguity thing. It It is a bone of contention. It has tons of stuff in it that makes it sound real and then tons of stuff that makes it false. I mean, it really goes with that Cass Sunstein idea of placing false, false narratives inside or alongside true ones to discredit the true ones. So yeah. th- they could take that to another level and deliberately create something that's half true and half false just for the purpose of divisiveness.
0: Right, playing to you know, people who are predisposed to believe and people who are predisposed to disbelieve.
1: Yeah, but you were going to say something at the very beginning about –
0: Yeah, you were telling me about a friend of yours who hosted a show, The Libertarian. Yeah. And it just reminded me of a quote about reporting the news, and it says, The easiest way is to let the news be uncovered by the overt act and to describe the event as the story of interference with the reader's life. This is where his attention is first aroused and his interest is most easily enlisted. And then he goes on to say that – the practical difficulty in uncovering news and the emotional difficulty of making distinct facts interesting is because we perceive them and we can't set about translating them at once into parallel facts, which basically is, basically is just talking about let news be uncovered by overt acts, which are often created by uh, propagandists, and then de- deliver them to the press in a way where it is easily it is easily – highlights the interference within the individual's life and it's easy for that individual who's who's watching the story to relate that story to parallel facts in their life it's just an it's just it's just an interesting way to think about the news it gives me a lot of clarity that, it, anyway. that
1: goes to the dog whistle thing in a way in that okay so American exceptionalism triggers in me and the people who it's targeted oh he's one of us I'm not saying he's one of me I object to that concept but the The idea of being using the facts, the news, whatever, to trigger an association, an analogy. Like uh, I think I've read this once, that the Western way of teaching is through analogy and the Eastern, like the real pure way of teaching is to avoid analogy because analogy keeps you from getting to the real essence of the new thing. It so generalizes, it, yeah. Yeah, so if they're saying... We we want to create something. I, I see that that parallelism all over the place. I mean, this whole populism thing. They refer to World War One, World War Two, America's fir- America First. It's everywhere. They just and I notice it. I was talking about this once about how I've noticed it as an earmark of crappy modern literature is that instead of developing a character, they compare the character or they they uh, say a a platitude, a knee-jerk, you know, hackneyed expression that stereotype, stereotype the guy so that you don't actually have to develop any kind of nuances in the person's character. And it makes them unreal. But if you, in the so- soundbite way that we have of thinking about things, you can just square it away in this little box. And when I read that report from Iron Mountain where they said... They'll do a computer study on how many people have to die to change public opinion about a policy. I noticed that they don't actually have to hype the crap out of every death or every event. They just have to chunk that event onto one side of the scale that eventually will tip. And I, I literally think it's like 3,000 people. <laughs> you know, that was Pearl Harbor. That was 9-11. I really think there's a number, and it's 3,000. Uh And that like with the mass shootings or they will just get to where it's 3,000 and then people will be like that's enough is enough. I mean the driverless car thing, cars are 30,000 and guns are 11,000 so or something like that. So if there's a mass shooting
0: where 3,000 people die, then there's some new weapons that have been – No,
1: no, no. I didn't mean that. I meant cumulative.
0: Yeah, okay. That's what
1: I'm saying. Like when they can say, okay, mass shooting, put it on the mass shooting basket. And then eventually if there are 100 mass shootings or 200 mass shootings, people will be like, okay, that's enough. 3,000 people have already died. This right, way. so like 3,000 in
0: like six months or something like that.
1: Yeah. it's just So that's why I feel like when they tap into a parallel thought process, like you're talking about, what you just said, it it helps. It just – is another way to classify a news story into a basket that is designed to change policy. It's a subtle, cumulative crisis that you don't want to go to waste.
0: Right. And and depending on which news outlet the message is delivered through, because news outlets all have, just like businesses, they have their specific target audiences. And those audiences have predisposed beliefs that their specific news organizations satisfy with the way they frame the news. So. By delivering the news in this manner as interference where it is, where it is ready to – ready for the people who receive it to easily find those parallels, you're essentially delivering meaning into the minds of the audience. So
1: you're giving you them what you want. That. Do I? When – I want to ask you something about that. This, this is something that just blows my mind. I have noticed this over and over again in the newspaper, and uh, but also our WSB show. People call me just people driving around in their car. They hear me on the radio. Probably shocks them if they never heard me before, because you just never hear this stuff on super mainstream, whatever. So they call me, and and that is a. There are sometimes trolls. I can tell people who are there to because there's a hot issue. They don't. They want to direct talk radio i can tell that they're whatever but that's rare normally people just call and when i have basically every single show i've done um in the past couple of months has been what you think of trump what do you expect from trump what do you want from trump you know i just i'm trying to get to that and because i don't want to just criticize him out of the box i think the rabbit hole is deep so i don't think it's what you see is what you get but uh, I don't want to be a downer, <laughs> Debbie Downer, but they call and I'll say, "What do you like about him?" And even my sister said to me, and she's not like hyper political or anything. She's just like, you know, what I love about Trump. I was like, "What?" She said, "It's the Twitter. He just he he bypasses the mainstream media." And then I had people calling on my show the other day saying i mean they just kept saying the way he hands it to the media the way he tells them off it's amazing and i'm and i'm thinking first of all jeff sucker who runs cnn was his boss for years he taught him how to act i I don't know if he taught him how to act but he was his boss and then and then uh, these are the same people whose understanding of the facts that they they repeat back to me comes from Fox News, which is the mainstream media. It is a propaganda outlet. So I, I can't understand how people who, the one thing they love the most about Trump is nothing that he, it's not the content. It's the fact that he lashes out against mainstream media. He is not beholden to them. Yet their opinion of that very thing is delivered to them through the mainstream media. I don't yeah, even think it's it, true. He he's playing a game with them. That's good for ratings.
0: Right. I mean and that that falls into this um, playing to the predisposed what people are predisposed to believe or what people why they get their media because we you know we get news from certain sources to satisfy our needs. People who go to yes, CNN and they believe
1: or, their own.
0: Right. Or if you go to Fox or CNN or whatever, people don't go with the intent to Get news; it's going to make them feel cognitive dissonance or make them feel uncomfortable. They go to get right. news that validates that feeling of if they hate Trump, if they believe Trump is a racist. But
1: they hate the news. They hate the news. But they they,
0: they hate the news and disagrees with it. them. Right? They hate the news but they, that I never that,
1: hear anyone that saying them. that. They're not uh, well, saying yeah, that of course. Anymore.
0: Because they it's, it's every, say that it's the exception. We we. And this is a human, and this is like part of our like psy- psyche that that gets exploited. Is we we think that we're the exception; that the others are more prone to propaganda or manipulation than we are. That other countries are. That other people who are you know. I totally
1: think other that.
0: Other ideologies, but it's, there's like, it's something called <laughs> a halo effect. I totally think that about myself. Yeah, we all do. We all think that about ourselves. It's, it's normal, uh, but we have these blind spots that. Um, that that make us uh like react in those certain ways to to things that that align with what we believe or what we want to believe and there's something called a halo effect in psychology that affects us where it's if you believe if you believe that or if one of your initial perceptions of a network or of a candidate or or whatever it is it aligns with what you want or goes against or or aligns with what you don't like then you perceive everything else as validating that so it creates this positive or this negative halo like trump for example people who went to that women's march they in their minds he has been it has been associations have been created with him as being a racist a, a nationalist he's going to just you know put all gay people in, in a concentration camp and and the lgbt community is going to be just destroyed and it doesn't matter what he does because that halo has been established in, in their minds, everything that he does is going to be filtered through that and say that's just another example to prove what I already believe. And the news networks play into this halo effect. They know that it's there, so is they that frame stories. Do what? It, it's associated it with confirmation, like confirmation bias. bias. Yeah. Yeah. it's very closely associated with it. The halo the halo effect is the initial. It's that initial impression and all the the associations that get. That get um, stuck together in mind, which takes a while to create that that halo effect. But hey, here's the, the idea of the women's march, for example. Um, anybody who's, who who is for the women's march, like the the idea of supporting women's rights and LGBT rights, that's a halo. That, that's any, so anybody who when oh, they yeah, hear I those words, yeah, positive. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Anybody, this is why people can subvert these these causes and these movements because this language has this halo effect, just like, uh, charitable foundations. Oh, it must be a positive thing, so everything they do is gonna be filtered through these, the, this positive halo. So that's why, like, communists or globalists can, can do things under the guise of women's rights or LGBT rights, and people won't realize it, like, and even if you tell them that, you say, hey, this is, you know this is supported by the communists of America and the people running it have and, been associated with communist globalists their reaction is oh great these communist globalists support women's rights as opposed to no they're exploiting women's rights to seed ideology into your mind and and demonize nationalism so that that's how the halo effect it prevents people from seeing alternative perspectives that you know it, you know it opens us up to being exploited
1: and people actually look for it in that if I notice this also, if I don't say the thing that they're looking for about women's rights, you know, not me. Nobody expects that from like on a conservative radio station. But I noticed that with the Trump thing. If I didn't say what they wanted to hear, they thought I said something else. It's like an anti-Halo effect. Like if you're not in that halo, yeah. if you're right. not in that circle, you're an other. And I'm just trying to find I, – I am just simply trying to find the truth about – you know what? I don't even need the truth. Let me tell you. I don't need the truth. This is all I need. And this is all I've ever said that I needed. I just want to make sure these people are adhering to moral principles of right or wrong as I see them based on individual rights, which just leads you to libertarianism, American founding principles, the Bill of Rights. If these people are using that as their touchstone, the way Ron Paul did. I am... And Dennis Kucinich, who's a socialist, in some respects did, and I respected that. Uh, he wanted the redistribution of wealth, which is violent and I and stealing, and I don't respect that. But that's the only standard I'm holding this guy up to. But I want to... Can I read to you this little um, article? Not an article, even just a sentence uh, that I... I believe I sent it to you. I texted you a picture of it. I sent you a few of those. But this one was this... Uh, This article from Today's Journal that said Trump foes egged me on to support him. And she says uh, she was walking to the inaugural ball. She didn't like Trump, but she was going because it was an opportunity to wear a pretty dress. She liked Bush. She liked Goldwater. She liked Reagan. But when she was walking to down the streets because there was so much traffic she got out of her cab, somebody threw an egg at her. I'm not sure this is a true story because the reason I wonder is that she said someone helped her clean it off, and then she kept going to the ball. Take it from someone who's gone to parties. Somebody throws an egg at your face after an hour's worth of makeup an inch thick. You know what I mean? Somebody did your hair for an hour. You're not just keeping on going. You know, Well
0: There's a level of defiance there, though, where it's like
1: – uh, yes, yeah, yeah, whatever. But um, here's the thing that caught my eye. It says, uh, being assaulted based on an assumption that I supported him had a way of breaking through my reservations. I choose to stand with the ridiculed, the insulted, the belittled. I stand with those who voted for something new and different and a little Scary. I stand with people who are tarred as bigots and misogynists, or even egged simply because of their views. Now, she wasn't egged for her views; she was egged for that she was going to the inaugural. girl. You know what I mean? On taxes, health care reform, or government entitlements. So this chick is saying, I-, "I am labeling this the nasties versus the deplorables," based on that thing that you sent me, Ashley Judd's speech. I'm a nasty yeah. girl. So she said yeah. the most disgusting things. I, short of uh, the whole uh, Megyn Kelly bleeding out her whatever episode, which disgusted me at every level. I never heard I, 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 ugh, that they were talking about that stuff on the radio made me sick. Uh, and it wasn't even Trump who Trump didn't mean that. However, uh, this Ashley Judd thing was absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. This was horrifying disgusting. speech. Disgusting disgusting i mean i just i was like i was i was freaked out i wasn't freaked out at all but in the beginning i was like this is so contrived this is so performance art it's so bullshitty and then at the end it got so disgusting and then i was like okay so and the title of it, it just was, got I'm a nasty gross. girl it got gross so I'm, I'm a
0: nasty
1: girl Right. So, so now the nasties who threw the egg on this lady who's a political ideologue of the neoconservative ilk, I guess. I don't know. Traditional conservative, maybe not a Trumpite populist, whatever. Uh, she is throwing her lot in with the deplorables as a reaction to the nasties. And she recommends that. So the this dialectic that's emerging right now, whether it's a big one, that's going to last or a little one. That's just for the moment is the nasties versus the deplorables. But this but her she is now she got into the basket of deplorables as a reaction to the other people. And as a result, she doesn't she by the end of the article, she says she said she morphs it into uh, being penalized for views on taxes, health care and government entitlements. But it's not that at all. They are penalized on this deplorables thing. Uh, but she, but she really in making this decision to switch to be a Trumpster or whatever, she is saying ideology be damned. I uh, Trump during his speech said, "I this oath I took, which was an oath to defend the Constitution." He said, "This oath I took was an oath of allegiance to Americans." That's a totally different thing. So now that that becomes kind of cult like, cult ish. Well, it yes. makes people
0: forget about the, the policies or any, it's, it's, it's a simplification of, of everything by just. You know, creating, creating polarized teams, essentially. It's, you know, I like Georgia Tech football because I, I didn't choose to like Georgia Tech. I just, my, my brother went there. He he played baseball there. My family's has liked Georgia Tech ever since I was a kid. I, I never made a conscious choice based on an evaluation of Georgia Tech's academics and their football policy and their plays and how they hire. I, I didn't, I just like them. And, and I don't, I have an emotional reaction to it regardless of, of whether I want to or not. I, I really can't stand how emotional. I can get about it because they're so bad most of the time. <laughs> but like when, when they play Georgia, they're about to play Georgia. I, I, I just hate Georgia. <laughs> and, and, and I want them to. I have no I logical, no even, logical reason yeah. for hating Georgia other than as I grew up, they were condition. I was conditioned to be the enemy of Georgia Tech when they played each other, and it's like ah, oh, we really want. It. We just got to beat Georgia, but it's not because the policies of Georgia Tech's football team or the way they select coaches. I don't even like the coach most of the time. It's just that like everything about Tech could be terrible and repulsive, but I'm still on Tech side when it comes to defeating that hated enemy that I've been you know conditioned to to oppose it to me it's the same type of thing
1: but the but the sad part i agree totally and i've noticed that before like go red go blue it's the problem is that this is these guys on both sides the nasties and the deplorables are now giving up completely on the concept of restraining government of limited government of principles and they are allowed to uh, the uh, more and more, a simple vote, a simple up-down vote, a simple 51% can change the course, as Trump said in his inaugural speech, I'm going to change the course of America and the world. And he said that to citizens of America, which is kind of crazy because we are citizens of the United States. <laughs> you know what I mean? Chile, Chileans are citizens of America. Kind of weird, maybe foreshadowing. But he just, he the power that they have based on, and, and actually, his speech was just riddled with that kind of thing. I think the themes I pulled from it were pride, patriotism, and protection. This idea of us being a group that he says every decision he's going to make is going to be for American values, whatever. I, I don't want to hear any of that. None of it. I want to hear, I will go through the Bill of Rights one by one and do everything I can to restore them. In keeping with the oath I took today, which does, it doesn't say he has to restore it, but it does say I have to defend it, okay, so he put a freeze on on new regulations and and government hiring, put a freeze on encroachments on the constitution and the Bill of rights let's let's start with that and you're not and that is they're building this cult of personality and uh, it's becoming a battle between who controls the government again, he says that in the inauguration this is about. Who, he actually says it like right out of the box. This is about who is going to control the government as opposed to when Reagan said right out of the box, this crisis is about uh, government being the problem, not the solution. And we need to recognize that, peel it back, restore the 10th Amendment, which where he said bring the power back to the states and to the individuals where possible. It's such a very different theme, and it really smacks of uh, – Uh, teams you know teams and using power to who are you on my team same thing with this trade stuff he's coming out with all this trade stuff and they're saying over and over again these people are saying we're going to do trade rules on a case-by-case basis like company by company that kind of uh uh legislate it's it's the antithesis of the rule of law because what you're doing is doling out privilege like a court and it and the the likelihood, the opportunity for cronyism and corruption is, I mean, that's usually the purpose of that kind of a, of a policy. And then, you, you know, I want to hear, I want liberty. I want to break down the barriers for new business. I want other countries to dump all their goods on us. Let us have cheap clothes so that we can make better computers. You know, it's a gift when a foreign country subsidizes its industry and dumps it on you. And it's not the industry you're great at. We're great at entertainment and technology and all of that. We can thrive. Uh, we can have so much more prosperity. Instead, he says, well, they're going to have to bring back manufacturing jobs. I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. But mostly what I object to is not, I don't even evaluate the policy. I don't evaluate the people. I just look at it and say liberty is the way to have the most prosperity, the most justice. The Bill of Rights is a great place to start. Start with the Tenth Amendment. Don't uh uh you know don't look at it as a way to use the government as a business to control everything from uh corporate policy you know it's just um you know i hate to say fascist but there is an element i looked it up of mussolini his idea was autarky like the country should be self-sufficient And I can actually understand that as a question of national security, to be self-sufficient, to at least be able to make your own food and your own defensive weapons and stuff like that. But that's a very minimal level of interference and production and whatever. I just, the whole thing smacks of, um, you know, a cult, a group, a team, what you're saying? That was probably more, (laughs) more more of what, more than you wanted to hear.
0: No, it's a sufficient validation of of my point.
1: Beyond, beyond, (laughs) I would say. Yeah, it it gets things uh, off
0: the issues. The point is it gets people off the actual issues of what's going on behind the scenes. I mean this is one of the main purposes of propaganda, and it keeps them on the surface – tribal battles between you know left and right deplorable and and the uglies or the nasties and just like you know tech first georgia as long as people as their emotions are running high and they're 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 focused on these uh, what how angry they are at what this other side is doing and vice versa then people one they're not really focused on diving deep in the issues and two it, it makes that halo effect and that confirmation of bias, bias all that more powerful because you're so ready to find a reason to throw it in the face of the enemy that you ignore anything that doesn't support what you believe or what you want to believe.
1: Well, this is leads to or dovetails with the glossary entry I wrote, right cover. I don't know if I coined that term. It's a natural because left cover uh, was what Obama had. To silence the anti-war left, people were not going to object to his tens of thousands of bombs and Hillary's killing Gaddafi and cackling about it because you don't want to criticize your side lest they lose next time. That's so, halo
0: effect again right there. Yeah. Democrats, oh, we're Democrats, we're anti-war, so you can bomb, and it's not well, war, it's Trump's humanitarian.
1: presidency has salvaged what was really the last gasp of that. Of them being able to wear that mantle. They are not anti-war in the slightest. Yet now they get to say, because the press on the right has played into lock, stock and barrel, if not the press, and obviously the press on the left wants to, that the reason terrorism and refugees are spreading like wildfire is that Obama has held back. Now, People do not remember. I tell them this and they think I am crazy. I did a show on it. It was a big thing. I can't believe people can't remember this. Obama made a speech, did a world tour, trying to get us to agree on bombing Syria. They carry, I remember, begging Congress, please just let us drop a tiny, a few tiny Tomahawk missiles on Assad's house. Just a couple, please. It'll be fast. We'll kill them. It'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. Pipelines need to—I mean, children need to be safe, And so people uh, give him cover for having held back, having ignored his own red line. Meanwhile, all that illegal arms trading, sending mercenaries from Saudi Arabia to overthrow Assad, it's just insane. And, and if Trump is the one who's supposed to really escalate this big war, that'll be—it'll uh, be a lucky break for the Democrats to have escaped— being the ones who had to do that, if the time is right for that. And and likewise, so they got left cover with Obama. That was going to run out probably, or in any case this renews their ability to fall for that, to make that claim. But with Trump, this, he is going to get all sorts of right cover from like this chick who got egg on her face, literally egg on her face, <laughs> that, you know, it's such a strange story, that I'd like a picture of whatever. Uh, <laughs> the before and then the after and then the after, where she goes to the inaugural, I just don't believe. I and
0: mean she should have left it on there in defiance. She, right. the she
1: should have watched. I mean, it's just irreparable, in my opinion. So if if he if people like her are gonna give him or people who are focused on the nasties or whatever, are gonna give him right cover for <laughs> a crazy fiscal stimulus. Tons of infrastructure spending, a massive increase in the debt, stuff like that. They're already giving them cover for it. And, of right. course, protectionism and all uh, all the rest of it.
0: Right. And as long as people are, are agitated and angry and kept in an emotional state and anxious and not not calm, comfortable, and, and open to actually looking into the details of it, then then people are going to continue to see – what confirms their belief, and they're going to continue. The right cover is going to remain intact, just as just as the left cover did.
1: Can I just uh, make one point about an article that uh, our guest poster writes? We have this yeah, go ahead. guest poster occasionally parachutes in. Definitely is not like. I don't even know what his politics are. He's just – maybe he doesn't have politics. I really don't know. So he always comes from an angle I don't see coming. But he wrote a good little tiny, like, paragraph or whatever about Joe Scarborough and Mika Verzinski being at some, like, Trump's Christmas party, yucking it up. And they were the, they were the ones – you know, this is the media who supposedly tried to stop Trump. And they were the, also the ones who down the line, like on the commercial, he said, don't ask me hard questions. And they said, OK, and then didn't. So I don't know. I smell a rat. That was a non sequitur. That was back to what we were talking about earlier.
0: Oh, OK. You think, Joe you think Joe Scarborough is in Trump's pocket?
1: I don't know, but I think he – did. I, I read an article that said Zucker – Trump said Zucker is basically my booking agent. Zucker's the guy who runs CNN, although that, Joe Scarborough, I think is on MSNBC. It's just interesting.
0: MSNBC is has an interesting combination of of shows. It's different. They're like Fox is clearly catered towards the right. CNN clearly catered towards the left. The MSNBC has – you have Rachel Maddow – and then now you have Greta Van Susteren who has a show, and then you have Joe Scarborough's show, who Joe Scarborough leans to the right while the, the guests that he brings on they, – they, they try to really give that idea of
1: – Joe of Scarborough balance. leans to the right?
0: Yeah, he's a Republican.
1: What? Really? Yeah. I don't get that sense. I guess I just am always so wowed by the fact that speaking of Brzezinski's daughter, just like when I saw Chris Cuomo – I was like, started laughing. I was like, but that's the governor's brother and son. Like, like his father was the governor. I'm like, these are political operatives. Nobody notices that they're the ones giving us our news. Yeah, you know, like I just, I start when I first saw it. I was like laughing, and then I just was like, oh yeah, whatever. I'm like, oh, not whatever. It's messed up.
0: <laughs> and Brzezinski writes all these books on world domination. Oh, his books that- are the
1: best. They're uh, they're the they're the blueprints.
0: They are, and he is just – if you – like completely wipes out the whole – for me, the wipes out the the concept of ideology. These politicians, they don't – I've talked about this before, but the ideology means nothing to them. It's just a way to manipulate people. They are cold, calculated, and they do not factor morals into their decisions. This is Machiavellian, hardcore Machiavellian.
1: Let me say that fact – which I think has been revealed, both implicitly and explicitly, many, 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 many times, and is even in like the Hillary Donald thing. Like she, her nickname is Killery. You know she is yeah. in, in many respects not a Democrat, and and Trump grew up has has a lot his he wants fiscal stimulus. You know he's not a Republican in many respects. It doesn't matter at all. However, I think a major part of the error in my thinking in 2016 as far as assessing, or even before that, forever, in assessing how the world works is there is no ideology and they both of the so-called sides want world government. And there are powerful guys who can control members of both parties. I mean, both both presidential candidates have been controlled by the same people. But it doesn't mean that they there aren't little teams. So the Democrats and the Republicans. I don't think the Democrats are sitting there like we really need to save the children, and the Republicans are like I want to eat the children, you know. And, or the Republicans are like I want to protect your money, and the Democrats are like I want to steal your money. You know, I'm not saying it's like that. I'm saying the Democrats. You see Nancy Pelosi and John Podesta and Bill Clinton and Hillary, and you see their faces, and you can't help but get the feeling. They really lost and that guys like Paul Ryan are rubbing their hands together to see what's next, you know, that somebody won and somebody lost. And that means there are factions or maybe the Svengali's, the puppet masters just dole out the rewards to the people who win. You know, maybe maybe it isn't there. There are no it's just maybe it's as simple as. If you were like when I worked in a bank and there were different departments, if say you're doing a high yield bank deal for an energy company, does the high yield group have the stronger relationship so that it's his deal? Or does the energy group have the stronger relationship so it's his deal? Because if it's your deal in your group, you're going to get a bigger bonus. And that's all there is to it. It's still the same big company. It's, It's just exact same fees. Everything's the same. But you personally get paid more if it's in your department. Uh, yeah. It could be as simple as that, but there are nuances there, and I always thought that not not everybody knows what's going on. Most people do not know what's going on. Most, by far, especially even the strongest advocates, people who call my show, advocate for the lies. Sometimes they advocate strongly. This is what do you what are you looking at the Bill of Rights for? This guy is who I yells at the media <laughs> like i know but yeah i want to look at the village. you know like if people t- try to shout me down like when braun paul was saying let's use the golden rule on other countries and he was at like a christian university or something and they shouted him down people like what you're saying they have this this they don't like the dissonance they reject the dissonance they they angry they're angry at- it's the plato thing Uh, oh, are we in a circle now Am I bringing us around to this giant circle? The allegory of the cave. You go in and you tell them that they're just looking at shadows and they kill you.
0: Yeah, and uh, an important factor in that is they keep people thinking in in herds. And in, like, like I, I've talked about this in the past, how Facebook – And you know Twitter and all that—it keeps people connected to the herd, the digital herd, constantly. People react on social networks in in a similar way as they react when they're when they're in group social settings. They they don't react the same way they would react in a one-on-one conversation. And one-on-one conversations outside the the influence of the mass groups is is how you have. Open it is the, the strongest way to have open discourse w- without the the effect uh, of crowd psychology overwhelming people's emotions, and that is the way to actually influence individuals. And by keeping people constantly connected to these herds, like in public in the digital herd, people are constantly reacting with these group mass reflexive emotional reactions.
1: That's funny that you should mention that whole crowd thing because one of the other articles that I texted you a little snapshot of earlier was this article by, was it in today's, of course, this is when I can't, no, that's yesterday. Uh, It was in today's paper where the guy was talking about, it was Brett Stevens, Trump, the reader's guide. I really don't like that guy. But he wrote uh, this stuff about crowds and power, which is a book I sent you. Which, yeah, it's a great book. Oh, it's just so hard to slog through. I think the translation was just terrible.
0: I think it's amazing.
1: Is it? I heard it was so great. I tried to read it so many times, but I just, I there's something wrong with it. Somebody needs to retranslate it for me. But uh, but th- he is going into this this thing of how manipulating. It's it's such it's like that book you sent me of Christopher uh, Gustave Le Bon. Crowd psychology. They it, – it really – it's an art. I mean I, when I see – you see those old pictures of Hitler rehearsing in front of the camera. Like people took – some he had somebody take snapshots of him with his gestures. Have you ever seen those pictures of black background? It's super, super creepy. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, he wanted to see himself – at different angles oh yeah yeah raised up but it was just in a black background it was super creepy
0: well these guys these guys practice their their facial expressions when they hit certain emotions i i've read a lot about how um roosevelt used to do that and what's his name in the u what's his name in the uk i don't know why his churchill? name is slipping my mind. yes churchill used to oh, just Church. very yeah. very specific I specific practice.
1: my first cat was named winston and then I was like, oh, my gosh, he was a, t- a terrible war monger. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> when you read, I would read his biographies, and there would be quotes from him saying, I just love war. I just love it. It's such an opportunity to have glory and, oh, and wipe yeah. out the enemy. It's like, what is the matter with you, dude? At least don't like it.
0: Well, I mean, the Brits have these these accents, and it could be charming. And-
1: they're an empire. They want to
0: – Exactly. We overlook it. We give it a halo effect, and we fail to realize that they're pulling the strings.
1: The 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 British thing is interesting though because they, if you, they gave us the cue. you know they gave us standing in line. And I will say, I feel like that might be the most significant advancement in human civilization, like ever. I really, I know that sounds crazy. I don't, I'm sure I don't mean it. The wheel, whatever, but but the line. When I was in Russia, I was telling. Wait, you about they this gave us the day. line. Yeah, to, to wait in line as a British concept. Okay, it just changes everything. Like I just think of the British Empire as being very civilizing, but also brutal, like the Boer War and everything. Maybe I'm not thinking about my history right. Uh, and I think their perspective is like we we're the civilized ones. You should be lucky you know, if we take over the world. But uh, but that's a different you know that's a different concept from the American founding. Principle, Which was a reaction to the British way of individualism, individual sovereignty, uh, power of the people, not being subjects, not thinking of ourselves as a collective that way. But this, I want to go back to that crowds thing, that that the Gustave Le Bon one that you sent me, tiny book, easy to read, that talks about how people, what you were just saying, actually behave differently, react differently in a crowd they actually are more aggressive they are um maybe less ideological but more defensive of their of whatever it is the topic is and they just would never be like that on their own
0: that's one of the most influential books when it comes to western elites who were trying to discover how to control democracy bernays litman that was one of the main foundations yeah
1: and the Greeks anticipated the dangers of democracy, maybe not in that particular way of how to manipulate people. But I'll tell you, as somebody who has never, ever been in the crowd, it's very lonely and painful. So when I grew up at, at, in New York, my father was just a hardcore, traditional – he was never never called himself a Republican, always a conservative. I would really categorize him for the most part as a libertarian. I think he likes Goldwater <clears throat> with reservations. He loved – William F. Buckley Jr. before he kind of showed himself as an establishment shill, but operative, I guess. But I would have to go into school always with these. I mean, nobody agreed with what I was taught and everybody. New York is such a Democrat place. And when I first moved to Texas, I was so amazed. I was like, wow, like you don't get aggravated on the highways People's politics are fine. And then I started realizing that Republicans were not libertarians and that there there was a lot of self-interest at work when people were political activists and stuff like that, which kind of bummed me out. But it was still a breath of fresh air. But, but when I see even in everything I do, Twitter, Facebook, our conversations on the air, I don't like being the one who has to – who says, like, this guy isn't – I don't think he's going to defend the fifth amendment. You know, I don't think so. And it's so nice to occasionally have an opinion that people agree with, like right on and they share it and whatever. And you're just like, Oh, wow. It feels so good when people like you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I, and I feel like that's what the Facebook ex- experience is that, that gets, that makes these things all into snowballs. Like as soon as you see this meme that feels good or like the Ashley Judd thing where she says like she made everybody shout there. Uh, <laughs> you know, she told them what to shout and when to acknowledge that this filthy disgusting thing she was saying, which probably those people would never ever yeah, say. I, used I would to not really say like what she was saying too. to my sister. I would not say I, to my sister, the stuff she was saying about female, uh, <laughs> you know, female issues.
0: Just – it was just – I mean it was really disappointing to me because I really liked her.
1: Oh, really? I don't know. I I liked
0: her as an actress, and, like, she goes to Kentucky basketball game. (laughs) No, no, no. Her sisters, her sister and her mom, they're they're singers, yeah.
1: Oh, the judge right?
0: Yeah. She's the actress. Anyway, but you
1: could tell that she was – I mean the whole thing from the weird cadence of the speech – she whole... like like a rap. It was like
0: a rap, like a spoken word rap. Yeah, type thing. and
1: and it was this litany of um, you know, I cannot say platitudes. Just this litany of uh, it's not equal work for equal pay. Blah blah blah. I don't. um, Why is the color of your skin the um more important than uh, I don't know what she was talking about. She she just had all. If you went back and listened to the speech, you could hear every Screaming single things. one. It's that so have happy. no
0: basis in reality. No basis he, in reality.
1: For me, though, the – the it, it I focused my attention on something that I've seen over and over again. I even have books. I think there's one book with the name something like The uh, Equality is the Enemy of Liberty or some some odd thing like that, which is like huh? – Equality under the law, of course, is under God's law, under man's law, under everything. You must have. That's why I don't like this pick and choose on trade laws. Rule of law means everyone is subject to the same law. That's what rule of law means. People throw that term around a lot, but they don't always use it correctly. Rule of law means Donald Trump and Carrier Air conditioners or whatever, and and Monica Perez all have to follow the exact same laws. Will face the exact same punishment. The rule of law does require equality because individuals are, uh, you know, not more valuable than each other. However, uh, this idea of equality in outcome being the necessity, the the highest possible thing that could happen does negate the concept of liberty because liberty means you get to choose and that your outcomes are going to end up being different. God's gifts are different for different people. Some do result in more material well-being and others don't. I don't know. You know, you could get super subjective about morality and say some people just born bad and you can't even hold them accountable for their actions. I don't know about that, but it's not – that's not a workable concept. That doesn't help people be better. Only empowering people, giving them – The ability to decide how, when, what manner all that, they want to use their gifts. That's the way. And the outcome is not going to be equal. Some people want to lay around and do nothing. That guy in office space, like, I need a million bucks so I can lay around and do nothing. The guy's like, you don't need a million bucks to lay around and do nothing. You need a million bucks to do two chicks, but you do not need a million bucks (laughs) to lay around and do nothing. (laughs) So he could choose, you know, he could choose what he wants to do. And he did. He quit his job. And you could feel sorry for him because then he was a construction worker. But my dad could have been a pencil pusher, as he called it. But he chose to be a construction worker also. He just wanted to. But they wouldn't let, you know, in a highly controlled society, I feel like the one thing I am really afraid of, and there were laws on the books in the U.S. and the U.K. during wartime, that you couldn't, if they instituted the law, if they triggered the law, you couldn't change your job. You couldn't change your job, so that's like that's the last vestige of a free society that we have left. Is that we can choose. Our really, jobs. there's but
0: all there's laws like that.
1: Both, I, I saw a reference to it in that book you uh, recommended to me: uh, personal liberty and national security and individual liberty, something like that. Blaswell book, and then I know there was a UK law. I, I remember actually reading the law. In I think these were World War Two measures that if the war effort needed you as a nurse to stay being a nurse, even if you were burnt out, you could not only not quit your job, you couldn't move. You couldn't, you know what I mean? You had to do it, but I don't think that that those laws were ever triggered, but they were, if I am not mistaken, passed. And I'm afraid of that. But the, but the idea of equality being more important than liberty is very, very dangerous concept because that uh, slaves are equal.
0: Yeah, I mean that's how you get. That that's like how you get people to buy into, you know, socialism, communism, globalism, one world government.
1: Yeah, everyone can't be equally wealthy as Bill Gates, but everyone can be equally wealthy as a homeless guy. You know, if you are going to exactly. have equality, there is only one. That, that's the, the way to get equality. To, you only know? can round yeah. down. You can't round up.
0: And, and that goes into what I was talking about. Well, we we talked about about the about that women 's march and Ashley Judd, I mean exactly what I was anticipating was happening would happen there It was going to be agitation because it 's laid out in this book about world revolutionary propaganda, written also by laswell and uh, she 's up there and she this is agitation this is agitprov she 's stirring up these fears of Racism of homophobia of LGBT being repressed of this this dystopian nightmare that has come true and whether or not we believe that or we give any credence to that the people that are there believe it and all the media that they take in confirms that belief and they they get terrified. And, the thing is, going into this march, a lot of these people didn't realize why they were there. You know, they just kind of went because they triggered some of those those emotions about about women's rights, about equality, about not the LGBT.
1: Everybody wore the I Heart abortion shirt. Uh,
0: yeah, no, not everybody was already wearing that <laughs> shirt, or no, not everybody had the, the pussy hats on that were sold.
1: I thought <laughs> that was it. It was the pussy hat. There was right. the I Heart abortion shirt, but yeah, it was the pussy hat.
0: It's changed up her perception a little bit with that speech.
1: I did. What to watch out for, uh, that when, like, the former president of Mexico used vulgarity towards Trump and, uh, they were talking all about Trump saying that Meghan Kelly was bleeding out or whatever. During that period, oh, sorry, they said, um, that there was, like, I saw on CNN, there was, they said shit and asshole, remember? Remember I talked about it? Yeah, yeah. And I I thought this was a watershed moment for vulgarizing discourse. And I feel like you know this is carrying that on and then you know but like a year ago I would think this is all like the same plot. And now I don't know, you know? I mean, I, I I'm really curious about that. Soros is behind this stuff, right? And Soros yeah. is not behind Trump.
0: I I want to I want to go through some oh. specific things with that speech and uh then I'll then I'll uh-huh. repeat
1: when I The Ashley <laughs> Judd speech? You're not going to make me listen to that again.
0: Not her speech, the actual the, I mean the women's rights march thing.
1: Oh, okay. Now we we have to put the Ashley Judd thing in the show notes. I mean in case people we Yeah, are definitely. Wondering what we're talking.
0: When I saw this thing going on, I was like here's what's going to happen they, they're getting all these people there together because they have this felt pain they're, they've been agitated to to feel worried about their rights." It, like we talked about, that they're going to be oppressed, whether they're LGBT or women or whether they're African American, whatever it is, they've been they've been kind of conditioned over the past year or so to believe that, that Trump is this nationalist, and if he gets in office, all these bad things are going to happen to them. And so they get all these people there by leveraging and exploiting that pain in the way that they promoted this this quote unquote grassroots women's march, which it was not at all grassroots. But then when you look at it, it's, it's one of the sponsors is the Communist Party of America.
1: Oh, CPUSA. Yeah, CPUSA. That was. um, Yeah, I highly recommend the book Witness by Whitaker Chambers about how CPUSA was actually run by the Soviet Union back in the day. And uh, I just wonder how, you know, who's running it now?
0: I, I don't know. There, there were originally like five other openly communist organizations that were one of the, the sponsors, but they've actually changed up the website since I first looked at it. So you can only find that one. But if you look up the other organizations, you find the links. But then you look at the people who are the the honorary co, 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 co-committee people, and they are all – they have a history. They're all older, and they all have a long history of being associated with communism and – so they're going to get there. They get to this organization. Then they start agitating these fears of this nationalist fervor, and then they, they tell people here's the solution. And The solution is going to be this. We're going to tell you how we can essentially establish this international world order to defeat communism. And we're going to tell you – they're trying to create com- community organizers is what they're trying to do. We're going to tell you how you can go back to your community and how you can then in turn to spread out – what? To defeat nationalism.
1: Nationalism, okay. Yes,
0: to overcome the nationalist fear has invaded America. Russian nationalist fear has invaded America. This is not fear, but um, which a is Russian so funny nationalist- because
1: the Russians were the communists and now they're the nationalists. That's just a crackup. That the left, like Chuck and Chuck Schumer is is the modern House on American Activities Committee, which is called the CFIUS, I think, is Chuck Schumer trying to keep the red Chinese out of Hollywood oh really that's exactly what the house on american activities it's just so these are the parallels they're not they're not um really promoting those parallels too much right now the way they're talking about populism and hitler and all that kind of stuff but they uh but it's they're using it as a it looks to me i always think they use these things that have been tried and true history repeats itself not by accident all the time not because that's the nature of human beings but Possibly because they look back and like, oh, that worked.
0: Exactly. This is, I mean, it's a propaganda. It's, it's like a long, long-range propaganda technique, and so they're, gonna, they're they're telling these women and the people there that we're going to give you the information. Sign I signed up for the website so I could get the updates. Yeah, I love and that. They, <laughs> so they they had all those agitating speeches and, bit, like. Right before that march and, and shortly after – and I'll tell you what I got in the email here in a second. They had Michael Moore giving speeches everywhere. He gave a speech at the Women's March, and his speech was get up in the morning, make coffee, contact your congressman. And he's given out phone numbers to local congressmen and stuff like that. Then they have And what does Rachel. he
1: want them to say exactly? I, I,
0: I don't know exactly what he wants them to say. I, I, I have an idea of what um, some of the, the – they, they told the women to say I think because of this email – that I'll, I'll read in a second, but I'm I'm not exactly tax-free sure. Tax free
1: tampons, right?
0: Yeah, tax free tampons, and
1: <laughs> somebody tax... tweeted to me about that, and I was like, "What are you talking about? That was in the Ashley Judd speech. Like it was one of the lines of her poem. The Viagra was. Also? It's not right that you that I have to pay tax on my tampons. It was the crazy. I can't believe I'm even saying that word. Like that's oh. not. I don't even think that's a nice word. That's why she's a nasty girl. Which she's by a nasty the way girl. was oh. a movie. The Nasty Girl was a German movie that my uh, German Jewish boyfriend, who was German, uh, m- he used to like to watch old Jewish German movies from like way, way back in the day. He was just into German Jewish culture probably because yeah. the war was so radical. Yeah. And this movie was made probably in the 80s called The Nasty Girl where this German girl went into a little town. That wasn't too far from a concentration camp, and was asking questions of the older people who were definitely there. So she was nasty because she was upsetting them. And I, I, I get the very that the word, the use of the word nasty, is like identical from that movie to what Ashley Judd was doing. That and yeah. I, I get. I don't know if that's like a that nasty has that that is in common. You used to have that kind of proud meaning like be proud to be nasty like he <laughs> yeah. had to be a deplorable it was it was foreshadowed by the deplorable yeah, thing totally. i mean but on the other hand it could be a reaction when like wisconsin was stormed uh that scott walker i think it was that episode where they're trying to impeach him and he won i can't remember the details but it was a long time ago uh before occupy wall street and there was hidden audio of the seiu the big union guy saying this is what we're going to do we're going to use what they did in wisconsin you know kind of against us we're going to use that tactic of occupying the capital or occupying whatever we're going to do that by occupying the lobby of jp morgan chase or the lobby of Citibank." that was the 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 Genesis of the Occupy movement was yeah, at how his, they did it in Wisconsin. Let's Saul
0: Linsky that. describes doing that in the book. He describes yeah, occupying these, the bank.
1: Oh, really? Because yeah. I don't remember that from that. Post, he says, "Yeah, go,
0: we talks about how they used to go in there and they would." One of the tactics was everybody go open up a $5 bank account. We're going to get 10,000 people to wait in line. It it falls right in line with what one of the speakers, maybe Gloria Steinem said.
1: She was a CIA operative, by the way. She was, she is an admitted CIA operative. But so let me just clarify then that guy, maybe he wasn't getting the idea from Wisconsin, but he was trying to tell people he was trying to trigger that parallel feeling. Maybe he got the idea from Alinsky, but he wanted the people to see that it would work by showing them that it did work for the opposition.
0: Oh yeah, he may have got it from whoever. A bunch, a bunch of people have used these. These it's, it's are community yeah. organizing, you know, uh, disruption tactics. That you know they change them around as technology advances.
1: So what did Steinem say?
0: I, I, I don't know if it was Steinem, but it was one of those. It was somebody like her. If it wasn't her, she right. said that if if you make people register as Muslims, then all of us are going to register as Muslims.
1: Uh, well, that was something they did, and I think it was. Belgium or maybe it was Sweden. I hate to give – or even the Netherlands. I I think it was probably the Netherlands where the Nazis came in and they told them to register their Jews, and everybody registered. It was straight out of World War II. Uh, And uh, that's what's going on here.
0: These are are – this is what this women's march thing was. These are mass community organizing tactics going on uh, all over the country
1: on this racist stuff. And, and it is, it is dangerous yeah. business. You do not want people registering for any reason whatsoever. I mean, it's just kooky and it's a slippery slope. I was just reading about how they did it to the Japanese Americans in world war two. First it was registering. It was just totally, you don't want that. But these issues are the ones that are being emphasized. So you don't f- focus on, on the basic violations of principle that are occurring that they kind of like. I mean, they're not going to speak out against fiscal stimulus. You know, I'm not saying fiscal no, stimulus they're... is worse than Muslim registries. I'm just saying they focus – even if this is a fascist regime that we're looking at, even if it is, it's not because of the racism. It's because of the corporatism that really um, I think would be the main goal and was the main goal of fascism. The racism stuff was scapegoating to keep your eye off the ball when they rape and pillage the country.
0: Yeah, they're they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to they're just trying to agitate enough fear where enough people are desperate enough to accept their solution, basically without question. Yes, and and get people to support whatever cause that they're but whether they're going to try to get Trump out for I don't know if they want to try to impeach him or if they want to try to my, my guess is they're going to try to marshal a movement to actually reach outside the United States to call for NATO or the UN or somebody to step in and, and remove Trump. Uh, I think that it could get to that extreme. I think that's how – if you really want to establish a one-world yeah. um, government, then you, you try to make people feel that they've been invaded by somebody who's going to oppress them, and then you you create a movement that looks for help outside the country.
1: And it could go either way. It could be George Soros lost, and this is his way of trying to win, or – this was plan A all along that this yes, guy yeah. is going to stimulate globalism. I had sent you – you you sent me the article by Chatham House, which was a Royal Institute of International Affairs article. Those were – that's the, the mothership of the mothership. They're the ones who started the CFR 100 years ago or more And the article you sent me was about this nationalism, this Russia stuff. But as I read through it, I saw that they also have this uh, cyber policy journal and they linked to an article, I believe, in Slate. And it said uh, something to the effect of I can't pull it up real quick, but something to the effect of now that Donald Trump is the one listening to our phone calls, we really need to have an international cyber policy. Yeah. because you know yeah. we can't trust our own government and instead of saying take back the governments via the 10th amendment like this is what states rights is all about let's trust uh, a world government that is going to be made up of a billion chinese people a billion indian people a billion whatever russian europeans africans you know what i mean like you're you're less likely to be able to live by your own values by what I coined as upsourcing the power yeah. and the, and the responsibility. It's just, it's totally going in the wrong direction. It doesn't make sense, but the message is absolutely consistent across all of these protests that it seems yeah. to me, I shouldn't say. But, uh, the sense I get is, has not, nobody's talking about the 10th Amendment and that is what they should be, this should be a wake up call. No,
0: they're too afraid. They're they're too afraid and the people who they're going to for the solution are are selling that solution of international liberal order like Joe Biden said. And the problem is the, the fears or what, what, or the problems with world government we can only tell people what those problems would be. We can't demonstrate what they would well, be to where they yeah. would feel it, and people people are now feeling what they believe the fears. It's They feel that it's manifesting itself in Donald Trump. So to them it has become real, and so that realness of that is a lot more powerful than saying, hey, don't you understand um, that globalism is not going to be good for you? It's the emotional feeling, the intuitive feeling versus the intellectual trying to reason through it and understand it. The emotional wins out.
1: But here's, the, here's an actual ideological reason why they can't push it down. They have to push it up, and this is it. And I've thought about this, and it is, to me, crystal clear. This is exactly how it works. You can't – the reason hardcore socialists can't want subsidiarity, which is pushing power down, is your slaves, which are the earners – you're, so it's kind of an upside-down system. The slave, it, You know, it's like a – it's a multifaceted system, but let's say – so the people at the very top basically enslave the slaves. But the people who want the benefits of socialism, want food stamps or free uh, – so-called free college or whatever – The people who want that stuff, they have slaves. The slaves are the earners, the professional class or whatever. whoever's paying income taxes. So income tax is only about a trillion dollars out of the six trillion dollars of taxes or something like that. Maybe it's a third. The Those income taxes are paid by the slave class, which is the upper, you know, the middle and the upper middle classes, not the rich people and not the poor people. And if you push down the power to the states – those, those slaves can leave and cross the border to a lower tax environment or whatever. So what you have to keep doing – I mean that's why they build walls to keep people in communist countries because they can't have the slaves leaving. So really like that's – what the people who are cr- climbing over the wall are the ones who want to live free and work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think. So, you ha- so that's why the real communism is – Is international. And Lenin, whatever, said that it has to happen all at once, all around the world. The proletariats of the world unite. They have to, because otherwise these guys could escape. Whereas the fascist system, the national socialist system, where these guys wanted to, what it's, this is what I was saying earlier, is uh, is, um, part of this like uh, insulation, trade, insulation, immigration. It's this autarky where you say, no, we can do it all within our own borders, and we have to stick together to do it and pull together, and everybody has to do what they need to do for the country so that you get this patriotism thing going and protectionism thing make people feel safe inside. Then you can have the entire microcosm of the economy in your group, but I don't... Uh, But that's not as strictly slave-driven as the socialist thing because they have corporations. They let money return to private hands. They have incentive, an incentive structure going on within that. So it's natural that these socialists would never, ever, ever think of pushing it, pushing the power back down because then they could be either outvoted by the people who are making the money or – if they outvote the people who are really producing and bringing money in, those guys could just like go from Hollywood to Atlanta. You know, they could just go to where the business is better, and then and then Hollywood loses the revenue that keeps the socialism afloat.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's when they when they spread when they make people afraid enough to buy into that this system, giving them equality, then it it. it it enables the people who are in power to essentially uh, centralize their power and expand it while everybody else feels like they're, they're gaining more equality. In reality, the, the international elites are really just, just – their their power yeah. is what just expanding.
1: What is the expanding. equality? What is the like, tiny uh, – Yeah, they don't ever
0: define the – they don't ever define the – equality um pay
1: for equal work i mean even that is to me i i think i've read like a thousand times it's what they call a canard it's like not a real argument they if you look at how people function in the workplace if women are the ones who bear live young you know it interrupts your career it just does and it's going to make an impact on your career path and your pay. I, I've read the math. I've read the studies. Maybe I need to re-scrutinize them, but I don't, I, I think this concept of equality, it, it could, I think it, obviously, I think it's used for political reasons. And that's what she actually said in her little poem. And it's not just a political thing. You know, it's not a myth. That's what she said. It's not a myth. I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess most people think it's a myth.
0: Another thing I got from this, uh, this women's march is on Rachel Maddow's show, she had some former congressional staffer on there promoting what's called the indivisible um, a practical guide for resisting Trump in America, and it's essentially uh, like a thirty-page booklet on how to contact your congressman on on basically harassing your congressman. And the whole theme of it is that Trump's racist, and you need to resist Trump. Uh, you need to, you need to convince your congresspeople to resist everything that Trump does by threatening to essentially um, cause him or her to not get elected again.
1: So just obstructionism for obstructionist yeah. sake.
0: It, it, yeah, it, it's it's a bunch of Solinsky tactics, essentially.
1: That article I sent you, I think, in December that said how to be ungovernable in 2017. I mean this thing, I don't know yep, when they put yep. it together, but this was a coherent uh, oh, absolutely, for a long time. Since November 8th or since March 8th, you know? Where you know, is- I think this
0: probably uh, the you know the elites think way ahead of time and in my opinion if he may either if Trump was their first choice or if he, or if he wasn't and they just decided here's what we're going to do if Trump loses they've been planning this th- this possibility for as long as he was the, the nominee.
1: Here's my question to you. Is this George Soros trying to get his power back or is this just a charade or a is this is the is the end game here civil unrest for in order to have the problem reaction solution solution being world government is this is this a you know as far as the people at the very top are there two people at the top or is there one person at the top? is it george Soros (laughs) trying to you know is the pendulum swinging between left and right they still all want world government and if it is if there is it Is it a vision? Is it a differing vision of what the world should look like? Like, what is the, are there real, you know, liberals at the top? Like Soros, who who believes that the vision is people will be better off, you know? Or is it, uh, you know, is it that they just feel this is the way to get people to buy into a world Government, you know, I mean, I'm just breaking down at that point. I was so sure before that these that uh it was just the bankers, obviously, whoever's behind the IMF, the UN, whoever goes in and and makes sure Qaddafi dies and takes over the oil and bombs hospitals and stuff for rebuilding. It just all looked so uh of a plan, and now uh, you know, I just, I just don't, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure there aren't competing. Ideas. I think
0: there are. I think there probably are competing ideas. I think we're seeing them – I think we're seeing them play out. I think it's a, a one chess move after the other, and thinking about it from – there's so many different perspectives uh, to think about it, but the way that I've thought about this issue lately is from is from the perspective of that, that British document from the Chatham House, and clearly their, their goal is to expand this international world order, and clearly – Russian authoritarian nationalism stands in the way of this, and clearly, based on this document, they believe that America do, has not yet felt the the true the true danger of what authoritarian nationalism is. And so, based on those uh, simplified points from that that document, I thought about how they what they did prior to World War One, and it was similar. And then I thought about how Bernays approached. Making people – causing people to take mass action, and Bernays actually did something similar when he helped create a coup in Guatemala when they overthrew a democratically elected president because, because Bernays helped create communist fear, which caused these people to overthrow this president because they believed he was a communist. He wasn't. What I believe that, that they were trying to do to demonstrate this because instead of just telling people that there's fear or that there's – a nationalism is scary, they demonstrate it. This is Bernays' whole concept. We have to demonstrate it. We have to create news that makes them feel the impact of what will happen if their worst-case fears or whatever he's trying to make them feel come true. And so I'll, there's plenty of ways to think about it, but my thinking based on that document was, well, if they need America to feel the fear of what authoritarian nationalism is that they were describing in this document, then – One suggestion that somebody like Bernays would make would be, well, if we have Russia invade America, Russian nationalism invade America, or somebody takes power who – presents himself as a nationalist. We can frame everything this person does as being this Russian nationalist fear and we can make people start to feel what the reality of this, this worst case scenario is. That's, that's why, that's how I see they're playing the Trump thing. Whether Trump is in on it or whether he's just a, a victim of it like the Guatemalan president. They make Americans feel it and whatever the next step when it comes to these, these, uh, the Chatham House, I'm not sure, but a logical step for me would be to, Marshal people and, and intelligence agencies, marshal governors, marshal congressmen, and get them to put together some sort of presentation or whatever to the UN or to the tornado to get them to do an investigation into Trump to get them to, to determine whether or not Russia actually invaded our country. I, I think they would call for an international investigation.
1: So – but my – like the essence of my question is that this thing – this this thing, yeah, this Chatham House thing is the Royal Institute of International Affairs. That is the CFR, the Council of Foreign Relations. Hillary was in bed with them. And uh, Trump's uh, Valerie Jarrett, Anthony Scaramucci, you know, Anthony Scaramucci is taking Valerie Jarrett's role in Trump's White House. Very low-key, behind-the-scenes thing. This is a guy who is a member of the World Economic Forum. He's been to Davos for 10 years. He... Is a member of the council of foreign relations. I mean, he is a very deep state operator. He's also a media personality. He is in the White House. He might be. He's certainly. I would say, you know, it looks to me like he's Trump's globalist handler. And if if what you're saying is that the Royal Institute of International Affairs is arranging this thing, and what I'm seeing is that this guy, who's definitely in bed with those people, is Trump's handler. That that points in the direction of this thing is really a total stage show to get globalism and i And I guess you know that would my only remaining question then is, you know there is another organization that doesn't get as much press as the c f r it's It also starts with a C. Um, it's supposed to be like a hardcore neoconservative thing. I think a Newt Gingrich thing. They're all in on it. Is it like the CNR, CPN? I can't remember. But it, it could be that that alternative faction is in control, but then why are, are CFR people behind him? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, that's what I, I just cannot. They're, I just, I, you know, and then there's the theory that he, that, that, Zero interest rate policy, quantitative easing had to end. And just like invading Syria with boots on the ground, they don't want to hold Democrats responsible for that. Are they uh, going to let that economic meltdown happen on Trump's watch? Let him, as The Simpsons predicted in their episode where he was president from like 10 or 15 years ago, leave the country bankrupt? He did say he would restructure the debt. I mean, that in his campaign is like well he thought it, let's think about restructuring the debt I mean that's bankruptcy that's what restructuring is so uh, is it mar- marching inexorably towards that or is there an interim phase or competing phase of nationalism because the oligarchs in the U S want windfall you know like that's really what I'm coming down to.
0: Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I I think that there probably is a competing phase of nationalism. I I think that, but I think that nationalism, just like probably with the Russian nationalism, while Putin has created that nationalist um, attitude in Russia, they still nationalism is a way to block the spread. That's what this book talks about. It's a way to block the spread of one world government. It's a way to block the spread of, of communism or globalism, or whatever it's called today, and. Then to start to exercise your, your attempt to, at one world government. So it, it's, okay, I'm blocking your attempt. Now I'm going to, now I'm also working on my attempt to, to spread my version of, of one world government around the globe. And I, I think if you think about it like a Machiavellian, uh, uh mindset, th- these people, uh, even at the highest levels, they don't have loyalties. Uh, they only have loyalties when it serves their, 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 you know Their needs for the moment, and then once it stops serving their needs to be loyal to a specific party or, or a specific movement, and it starts serving their needs to, to move over to another one, if they can successfully transition, they'll do it in a second. They don't have loyalty to, to people or factions. They have loyalty to, to their own pursuit of power.
1: Yeah, but are the factions balanced in power enough for people at a certain height to be able to move back and forth, or is there really just one game in town at that level?
0: I think that there's probably a couple games at that level, and I think that they probably are balanced because – they're, I think – my personal opinion is they're always watching each other. They're, they're, they, they trust you now because it's – they see that it's beneficial for, for – to work together with a certain person, kind of like Vikings almost. We're going we're gonna to go fight the, the, the Europeans with these Vikings, but as soon as we get back, we're going to be fighting these Vikings again. It's where – you know, when they – it's in their shared interest to, to work together. I think they do, and then I think when they have diverging interests, they probably you know, try to manipulate each other. I yeah, think there is at the know. highest levels of power. Yeah, I don't know.
1: But uh, the one thing I think it is important to remember always is it is no matter how it actually works. Seems to me they engineer crashes so that they can scoop up assets. So they allow like massive expansions. Everybody gets rich they yeah. allow asset bubbles and then they let the bubble burst and then like the housing market collapses and what happens next all these banks now people don't own homes anymore and all these banks and investment companies own single family homes that they're renting to people and uh and lo and behold they've come out ahead so i just feel like now if there is going to be a crash coming it will they will they will benefit you know that i just um, i'm kind of just throwing up a what to watch out for a <laughs> massive economic crash yeah. i don't know though i don't know i like i'm so bad at timing and i i used to think it was every 10 years and now i think maybe it's every 8 years but it's been you know it's been 8 years so i don't know and and the recovery was so anemic as they say that it's hard to believe there was much of a boom but but the asset bubble is there i mean dow at 20,000 i think you know from what i read i don't really study it anymore is um you know i don't know it, it people think it's overvalued certainly there's like on the other hand there's pent-up inflation in the system so i don't really know but i do know that they crash and then buy stuff up i think that's probably what happened with oil they consolidated you know the holdings behind the scenes
0: yeah that's how soros made all his money the, the, the man who uh crashed the bank of england that's how the rothschilds got their money
1: Yes, that's what they say that they got foreknowledge of the outcome at Waterloo. And, um, but the, but Carlos Slim actually, I think it's even like a quote in his wiki entry like, my dad told me, you know, wait for a crash and buy everything up. And I, you know, you could just take it one step further and say, engineer a crash and then buy everything up. Which they, in another article I read, book I read said that Churchill was on the floor of the stock exchange. Uh, while whoever it was, J.P. Morgan, one of those guys, was showing him what was happening during the crash. Oh, those are my guys. They're going to wait until everybody with the margin calls goes bankrupt, and then they're going to buy up all their shares. It's going to be awesome.
0: Well, Soros is credited – I I don't know why he's credited with it because this is a concept that's been around for a while with something called reflexivity uh, when it comes to – Stock markets and trading, which is essentially anticipating social forces. It's anticipating social forces or or whatever, and then based on those social forces uh, – Cat, you know, investing or buying whatever. And, and also, when you when you read into the theory of it, because there's also propaganda theories associated with this, it, it's causing crashes. It, it, it's essentially describes see, he's it. a
1: manipulator of social. Yeah,
0: that's what it is.
1: Experiences.
0: When you apply the same thing to society, it, it's it. It works the same way. You crash society and then you take control of it.
1: Yeah, I think that was his thing with the currency. But I always wonder because I read something that he said about going to college at London School of Economics and having this professor who really influenced him. And he wanted to get rich just to implement this guy's social ideas. And then he did. And I, and I couldn't help but wonder if he was helped along in that effort by those who, you know, if he's an operative and not you know, doesn't paddle his own canoe, you know, or whatever. Doesn't steer his own ship yeah, yeah. Is, that he Possibly. too is a pawn. And I think it would I think the answer to that question answers my larger question. Like, are these protests a way for him to try to get his power back? Or are these protests just part of the plan for consolidation? Because I'll tell you, he's the guy behind uh, transforming eastern europe after the ussr and really driving the eu project and until that thing is dead and buried i'm not going to believe that any of this stuff is is less than uh a plot not not necessarily a grand plan but like a solowinsky type make lemonades every t- lemonade every time you get lemons we're going to keep yeah. moving the ball forward because we've scenarioed it out and we have every possible opportunity. I mean if Angela Merkel gets reelected in Germany this year, I would say that's the, that's the tell that the nationalism thing was just to scare the crap out of people. And if she doesn't, yeah. I will really have to think hard about what's really going on.
0: With that said, let me read this email where they're talking about what they're going to do next for the Women's March. It's the email subject line is your first challenge. Thanks for adding your name to the 10 actions for the first 100 days. The way we'll build our movement from one record-breaking march to a powerful activist community that will make history again and again. Right now, women's march groups are planning postcard writing parties all over the country. See, it's a party, you know. It's,
1: <laughs> if- I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah, postcard writing parties. That's how they frame everything. Come to this party which really just cuz I was just thinking oh,
1: postcards. I love postcards and I'm thinking literally yeah. when cuz you sent me that. I was thinking literally in my mind. I was like, "Wow, I wonder if they have ones just like picture of Eiffel Tower on it." <laughs> no,
0: they have they have some postcards on the website.
1: And does it say I heart abortion or does it say pussy power?
0: It says hear your voice. Uh, that would be great if it said uh pussy power, but they both say <laughs> hear your voice. And you can print out the official cards. But that's how it works. Oh, it's fun. I'll go to a party. It's not like, oh, it's fun. I'll go to this propaganda party. It's it's a postcard party.
1: Right. Brainwashing. It's brainwashing. Yeah. It's viral. (laughs) We talked about this before it even happened. You and I were talking about how it's going – it's meant to be a virus that spreads, which is just like that Facebook thing that I was talking about earlier. It's like so – happy making to be the guy who sends the meme and everybody's like high five you know nasty girl it's just yeah yeah it's just you know it's that's why they call it viral but this is like a virus it's like crowds spread the virus of whatever it is i mean it doesn't even have to be bad it's just gonna spread it- though if you're trying exactly. to spread it, and you've got, uh, uh, if you really understand the tactics, well,
0: they have a coordinated effort too, and they're telling people exactly what to do, and they're guiding them along. That's what makes it easy. Like if people had to do it and figure it out on their own, they wouldn't do it. But they, they're setting all this up for them, and just they're putting the ball on the tee for them. And you know, people don't go to walks or, or, or parties by themselves. They get a friend. They say, Hey, want to come to this party? And it, you might get somebody on the fence. He's like, ah, I don't really want to go, but then that person goes, and that's a potential to influence somebody Especially who might be if kind it's of mutual. women exactly yeah with
1: pussy hats on (laughs) who doesn't want to go to a party like that
0: oh i've been waiting to wear my pink pussy hat just for this occasion you know you gotta have a place to wear it
1: i mean is that like could you attract men that way do you think like is that the kind of pink pussy hats no i don't i'm not talking about the hats but like would do you think as a guy if someone said to you hey man let's go to this thing it's like all women or is that the kind of that
0: yeah, you get guys to go to stuff. No, you, you get guys to go for whatever. You appeal to whatever motivates the specific crowd.
1: But they're not allowed to put sexy girls on the postcards. That's what I'm saying. It's like Fox gets to put sexy girls up, but the pussy power people, although Ashley Judd's good looking, right? Who's going to be at the party?
0: Look, absolutely easy to convince guys to go to that women's march. And there's a bunch of women understand. that are like, – Yes. Absolutely yes. easy on birth control um, yeah yeah they're I'm all on sorry. birth control none this of them none really of them care
1: bringing me to a place like i don't want to be i feel like she's really lowered the bar for my own sense of decorum i'm, I'm really bummed about that i think i might have to we might You're have just to reporting the news not publish this podcast
0: <laughs> all right the email goes on to say if you haven't signed up for the – to receive your free postcards, free in all caps, free postcards, please do so here. <laughs> of course they're free. <laughs> yeah. Why would
1: – how could they not be free? We've got
0: less than 10 days before – to go before our next challenge, so keep up this energy and get to writing, exclamation point. Thanks, the Women's March team. And then at the bottom of the email, it says – Copy and paste this email to friends and spread the word, and it gives you the email to send. So you, all you got to do is copy and paste, and the email that it tells you to send is this. Subject, take action. Send a postcard to your senator's body. Friend, we made history at hashtag Women's March. Now it's time to make our voices heard. First up, send a postcard to your senators.
1: Like what, what are you going to send them? I hate Trump? Pussy power? Like what are you writing on that postcard? Or the postcards have writing on it already.
0: Maybe they do. Actually, that's a good point. They might already. Yeah.
1: And are they are they depending on high unemployment rates to get activists go? Like, I, I, who has the time for this? I feel like high unemployment rates are really important for socialist activism.
0: Okay. Well, here it is. All right.
1: Like you need you can you can activate a crowd who does not have to go to work a lot easier, more easily. Then you could activate a crowd who's super super
0: busy. They need people who have a little bit. So you're looking at people who maybe are are, are in college or maybe um, Starbucks crowd. Yeah, maybe their husband works for them, or maybe they're they just retired, or maybe maybe they have part time jobs.
1: Oh yeah. That would-
0: Okay, so here's the message, and it already says – like right before this event happened, they had a bunch of videos that people made that were hashtag why I march. And they, they recommend people – if you're not sure what to write or if you're not sure what to say, go, go watch the um, why we march videos, and it has people saying why we march. And then the postcard says this, dear – and then you, you know, put your congressman – I'm part of the women's march movement. I'm from blank – and I'm concerned about blank. So, And you get the I'm concerned about by going to watch those videos. And then you say, here's why I'm concerned about it.
1: That's hilarious the first... because they're not concerned until they're Yeah, I know. They're totally directing them. I mean propaganda means propagate. They're just propagandized that way.
0: Yeah. In the first hundred days of this new administration, I hope that you understand and take these concerns seriously. And they're going to be – and they, they say at the bottom of this one to – uh sh- share it with the world send it to your senator and then stay tuned for the next collective action make sure you don't miss any of the future actions
1: mm-hmm. so i guess we've got fun and games for 2017 How for the next 100 days we're going to have actions this is going to be we
0: – We should write letters. We should write letters to our congressmen using this this form that say, dear – who's Maggie. our congressman that we would write to? Dear <laughs> maggot, again. I'm from Atlanta, and I'm concerned about this communist bullshit. Here's why. <laughs> it's propaganda. That's
1: a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. You should get them. They're, you know They'll blackball you though. You won't get any more of these emails or the free postcards if you squander them.
0: Well, how will they know, though? I'm not sending them to them. I'm going to send them to my congressman.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you have to get in there and get those postcards. I like your idea.
0: I really like it. I encourage anybody anybody to do that, to do a a countermeasure to the spread of this stuff.
1: That's a great idea. But this reminds me of how – insulated. So like when our guest poster, who I like, writes stuff, I'm like, wow, I never heard any of that before. And I said, you know what, what are your favorite news sources? So I started looking at his news sources and they're, I guess, more from the left than I always go for the libertarian stuff. This is a little bit more like left activism. And I never, ever, I'm such a, I'm like in my box. I'm in the halo effect. I'm in the confirmation bias and I have like 30 sites that I look at all the time and they they basically look at everything from the same angle, which is the angle I look at stuff from. But it's so yeah. interesting seeing the angle from another side. So that's why I really like when he posts, even though it's like can be disturbing. But, you know, like the dissonance, like, oh, I don't want to think about that guy as being a bad guy. But uh, yeah. my point is that. What you did by signing up to that thing and by paying attention to this stuff, and I I kept going back and forth between Fox and CNN to see the coverage, and there was, like, virtually no coverage or not – I shouldn't say that. It seems to be the CNN coverage is always much, 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 much greater. So people aren't even aware of what's going on because our news outlets are self-censoring. They actually – they they are intentionally, in my mind – uh, the big, big ones like Fox and CNN, they deliberately stay away from those other, you know, insulate people from those other stories instead of really just talking about it and informing you and blah, blah, blah. So you can't react. You can't react to it like what you said because people aren't even aware that's necessary and their leaders don't yeah. tell you to
0: do it. And a lot of the people that work for certain networks, they, they were brought up uh, – you know, believing believing the same things as the networks they work with, so oh, they're, they're
1: absolutely true believers. Absolutely,
0: yeah. So they're 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 filtering themselves as well as 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 opposed to like a conscious effort to. They're actually buying into the ideology that they're that they're reporting and in the, in the slant of news that they're reporting.
1: That's how they get promoted. Right. I mean, really. Like I – you, and I could see that in school. I remember taking – writing essays at Harvard being like, yeah, I'm definitely not writing what I really think, (laughs) you know, not getting an A that way. You know, I wasn't applying for a job there. I was just trying to get an A. But I knew that this guy was – basically they were teaching you what they wrote about in their own books. So you – Oh, right. Even they they were just – Propagating this tiny little corner of the world that they wanted to keep alive, so they they could continue to publish.
0: That's interesting. One of the guy the guys who writes about the halo effect he he talks about how once he started studying the halo effect, he realized that he might be affected by it, and he's a professor. I can't remember he re- was a professor anyway, and so he started grading his like. The way he graded his papers, he realized that if the first test essay, if it was good and positive, that it was affecting the way he had graded the second one. It was making him view the second test worse? essay as better, as better, yeah. If oh. the first essay was was negative, was not good, it created that negative halo effect, so he perceived wow. the second test essay or, or the second one that this person wrote like like – the same person oh, writes oh, two individual God. essays. Yeah. Boy, have hey, I yeah, been his... a
1: victim of that. Wow. Once I turn the guy off, it's over. I've done that many times. I was like, oh, crap. You just don't want to say anything till the end of the semester.
0: <laughs> yeah, he started – instead of grading, like if he was grading one person's test, he used to grade them – he would grade the whole test at one, at one time. So he would grade the first essay, then the second essay. Because he realized that that might be having an effect because he was studying the halo effect, what he did was – he would instead grade the first essay for everybody's test, and then he would like—I guess he would mix up all the—that's Yeah, he would mix up all the tests. Yeah, he would the test. yeah mm-hmm. and then he would—he would then he would grade the go back and grade the second one, and, but he wouldn't look at the grade he gave the first one. So he would do it with the with the papers yeah, like that's turned fantastic. upside down. I love and he said that, that it, it it drastically changed the outcome of the grades he was giving.
1: Wow. Like, like
0: he real yeah he realized the, uh, the the how much that um how much of an impact the halo effect had on him
1: and of course there is also the impact of all the other ideas that you've gotten in the interim the poor first right. guy or lucky first guy d- didn't if if every other one was better if he gave the first guy an a and that guy is actually the worst essay but he didn't know it because all the essays were so awesome you know yeah. like the other badass thing but I' struggle my Son asked me what integrity meant and he was really struggling with like I was trying to explain so it's like, so being good, I'm like, no, having like commitments, your principles, even if it's not in your interest. But like he, it's a concept that uh I was surprised to find was a little more nuanced, but I just simply love it. And it's just fleeting. It's over. It's it gets stamped out on purpose. I think Obama specifically during his reaction to how any kind of criticism in the press kept well-meaning liberals people on the left from getting anywhere because they it was just not okay to criticize this guy
0: oh yeah yeah
1: anyway you know i could just go on and on so we probably (laughs) need to wrap it up what else we got anything else
0: no i think that's all i have for today
1: should i tell you that um hopefully my husband will not hear this but I told you we got the Alexa, the Echo, whatever it is, for Christmas. Yeah. Did I tell you about this? I told you because I didn't want to take it out of the box. I'm afraid of it. Yeah. So it got out of the box.
0: Oh, <laughs> I no. saw it on the counter.
1: I saw the box. I saw the wrapping. I mean it really looked like it escaped from the box. I was like, it might oh have. crap. Yeah, and I like I didn't even care that it wasn't plugged in because you know like with your phone. According to Bill Binney, if your phone is off, unplugged, everything, shut, powered down, they can still listen to you through the phone. Uh,
0: yeah, that's what I heard.
1: And and all future TVs are going to have cameras in them. So, like, I'm afraid of stuff like that. And, uh, But I, I just assume that everybody thinks I'm, like, paranoid, overreacting, nut, whatever. And I do not literally think it's listening to me. But there's, like, a one in a million chance we're there. I don't think so, but we might be. So I heard my husband, who is about as, like, he just doesn't, he's what you see is what you get. He just doesn't think that deeply about this stuff. I try to tell him news stories are fake, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to know. I'm like, okay, but don't you want to know? It's like, no, I don't want to know. I want to believe the paper so I can go to work and have an intelligent conversation. I think, like, okay. So I heard him in the hallway saying to my kids, hey because the Alexa was on, they were listening to music. He said, don't turn the Alexa on without telling your mother so she can watch what she says. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) wow. Like, so the one in a million, one in a trillion chance, even I think, I even think it's like a one in a trillion chance that that thing is listening to me. Even that, which he thinks it's less than I think, he's like, yeah, we don't want that. (laughs) We're not taking that chance. So Is that bad? Should I not Should I not tell that? Is that like a privileged communication?
0: No, I love that. That's awesome. Oh,
1: my gosh. Just looking so, out for you. Yeah, it's super sweet, but it's too late, and I feel so bad for him because he's like this straight – he's just a straight-laced guy. Like he's got absolutely – I mean he's a deadhead. I'm not saying he's like a straight-laced guy, but I'm just saying he is not an enemy of the state. He's like a hard-working guy, taxpayer <laughs> – and here he yeah. is, like, married to me, thinks it's cute and fun and funny. And, uh, you know, and I'm, like, afraid of the little hockey puck sitting on my, <laughs> my counter, my kitchen well, counter.
0: You know, when legs and arms pop out of that thing, and it starts terrorizing the house. <laughs>
1: I'm telling you, it looked like it climbed out of the box itself. Who would take it out of the box on purpose? I didn't even you understand gonna that. you to come
0: home. And are you going to be in the kitchen or something? You're going to kind of hear something move and you're going to look over and you're going to go, was that Alexa? Wasn't that just on the other table? How did it and get And then the, over there? the
1: Cuisinart's going to go off while I'm trying to make something. And, you know, it's going to be like straight out of Poltergeist. And I'm, it's just going to take over. <laughs> I walked in and my kids were talking to it like, oh, turn the music off. Mom's home. And it turns off. I was like, oh, my gosh.
0: Now, does it turn? Does it talk back to you? Does it have a voice?
1: i have never heard a talk i don't i won't go near the thing so i only am aware of it when my tv starts playing music off the stereo like i didn't even know it could do that <laughs> you know my my tv was playing a who concert and the tv wasn't on <laughs> so i was like i don't know
0: do you think maybe it it, it goes in your room and watches you sleep
1: <laughs> well <laughs> i'll tell you <laughs> i have a tv in my room and every once in a while like a blue light flashes and I, and I just don't know what it is. I guess, I guess there's a sensor there somewhere, but why it's flashing, I don't know. But like in the middle of the night, sometimes a blue light will flash. I don't think it's watching me. I do not think it's watching me. However, somebody emailed me. They had the same experience I had, which was my daughter asked me, Hey, you know, do they have a sky zone around here? Can I have my birthday party at sky zone? And when the next time I opened my email, there was an email, first email, sponsored email said to me, Happy birthday party at Sky Zone, and I got an email from somebody recently that was a while ago saying he said something to his wife, and later on he got an email or an ad or something about that thing, which was like totally obscure. He never searched for it, never thought of it before i, I so I don't actually think anybody's i don't know though because I know they're i know ad the ad, ad, ad generators. Will, I absolutely know this for a fact, read your email content, invoices and stuff to tag brands and products in order to focus your ads. And you can, I think there's a way to turn it off in Yahoo Mail. So I know they do that. I don't know if when they're listening to you, you know, when, I don't know if like just having your computer on is, I mean, it's possible. I never heard that though.
0: Yeah, they're totally in your emails and they are web searches.
1: I know it sounds crazy to be like, it's listening to me and giving me ads, but it's reading my emails and giving me ads. You know, it is doing that. <clears throat> and I got an ad for a shirt that I took a picture of, took a picture of a shirt at a store. And three days later when I, or two days later, or whatever, the next time I went to my email, which seems like a long time, but the next time I opened my laptop, which was a little bit later. the ad for that shirt in that color was in the banner on the side and i had taken a photograph of it at the store
0: for that exact shirt
1: exact shirt vince camuto periwinkle blue at nordstrom
0: wow Did you do it through the internet? Did you you look the shirt up on the internet?
1: No, no. I was at Nordstrom. There was a sale. I had my phone with me. I bought a bunch of shirts. This one was not on sale. So I took a picture of it and I said to my friend, if you come back here and you see this one on sale, get it for me. And I'm just going to save a picture of it. So I know I took a picture of the label, which had the label and the color and everything in the photograph. And that was it. So there's two ways. I have a friend who works for a company that does this stuff. So there's two ways it could have happened. One is at Nordstrom, I think, or some places they have they monitor you as you go through the aisles. They track your phone to see what you're looking at. So really? if I, I don't, yeah. So I don't remember if I put the shirt back. If I put the shirt back in the rack, it might know that I did that. And then the other way would be. Uh, and I don't know if this is possible. They actually looked at the picture, or since that I detected that I took a photograph with the phone.
0: Wait, do you have a Nordstrom card?
1: No. Did do they
0: have? They asked for your email address or anything when I you don't do paid? That.
1: I do not cooperate with that. But they wouldn't have known the one I put back.
0: Yeah, I don't cooperate with that either. They they try to get me too, but I'm always like, I don't want your card, okay? And then they... I
1: don't want anything. I don't want you to have my email. Nothing. No, it was a really. Freaky experience, but it was definitely definitely happened, and i like did not do it on the internet at all because I just had just been to the store
0: all right so well on that put note- that
1: in your pipe and smoke it. Uh stay tuned for this is episode twenty-four of the Propaganda Report. Episode 23 of the Propaganda Report is the WSB show we did in honor of inauguration day, so keep an eye out for that at propagandareport For now, this is Monica Perez. Goodbye. Goodbye, Binkley. See you later. Have
0: you had enough?
1: Have you had enough? The